Welcome to Salty Investors, episode number 12. My name's Scott, and the bloke down there is Tim. How are you this week, Tim? Oh, a bit cool than normal for a 1st of December. How about yourself? Yeah, weird, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I had a blanket on last night in the 1st of December, which if you're not from the Southern Hemisphere is a bit weird, uh, unless you live in Tasmania. Um, this week, my salt is Phil from the RBA apologising to Australians if they were misled by his comments um, starting in 2020 about it being very unlikely that they would raise interest rates until 2024. Apparently, some Australians took him at his word, went out and bought houses for six, seven, eight times their household income, and now with interest rates uh, on their variable rate mortgages at 6 and 7%, they're starting to feel some pain. So I don't think Phil should have apologised. Um, but, you know, it's a bit of a conundrum because in this country, we don't have much in the way of financial literacy. Now, what Phil should have come out and said is that uh, I don't know why anyone in Australia took what we said as um, any kind of accurate forecasting guide because we've never been very good at forecasting. And by the way, this admission means that I'm the most overpaid person in Australia. Um, it's not really the Reserve Bank's job, I don't think, to forecast the economy, but most people don't understand that no one's very good at doing that. So they sort of put their trust in them. Um, but they shouldn't. And a little bit of financial literacy and historical knowledge of the RBA's ability to forecast economic trends uh, wouldn't go astray. So, I, you know, I don't think Phil should have apologised, but he should probably come out and be honest and say, look, we've really got no idea when it comes to forecasting, so you shouldn't listen to a word we say. What do you reckon? It's a safe way to go, I think. Um, I think they're admitting that now as well. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think... They don't know where it's going to go. So even the Fed's saying similar things now. So um, I think a bit of honesty, you know, wouldn't go yeah. astray here. So um, the problem is, if you if you are too honest, um, which I, I don't think there is such a thing as being too honest, but um, if you are too honest, it's kind of just destroys the illusion that these guys are are in control to some extent. You know, which, which of course they aren't. So um, yeah. That, I just think, you know, too much honesty um, would people would start going. Well, what are you there for then? Uh, why are we paying you a million dollars a year, Phil? Um, yeah. Well, but, I, you know, I we should, we should... said that a long time ago, so <laughs> I'm over that illusion already. You know that these people can can really control the economy, and you know um, they should be doing it. I think that you know they shouldn't be doing it. So I don't know why people just want these fairy tales of, you know, somebody who can, you know, get us out of hard times and, you know, blow up bubbles more than they should be and then <laughs> and complain about the RBA lifting rates to get us out of the trouble that they've caused. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, we've become accustomed to it, haven't we? We've become accustomed to the idea that the government can fix our lives. And some people think that's a permanent state of affairs when if they, you know, again, had a bit of historical knowledge, they'd probably realise um, the government is often more of a hindrance than it is a help. Anyway, uh, that's enough of that salt. What's your salt this week? Well, it might sound a bit weird, but I'm actually a little bit salty for Tesla shareholders. You know, um, at the moment, oh, yeah. Musk is 
you know, spending all his time at Twitter, you know, now he's starting fights with Apple and, and I'm just a bit worried for the old Tesla holder here. You know, they, um, things are going to get a little bit nasty for him. Rates are going up. Um, I haven't heard anybody that said, oh, we're going to have a four handle on next year. You know, no one thinks that. Everyone's thinking it's going to be a five. You know, some are even saying something else. So, um, and Tesla, you know, how they get a lot of their profits is basically, you know, finance. You know, they finance a lot of these deals. And, and then, you know, when you get people who can't afford the finance, they start selling secondhand Teslas. That's going to take away some of their you know, new, new car sales. So, yep. and then you've got an environment where people think, oh, maybe a $70,000 car isn't so affordable. Like, um, so I'd rather, well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> a $70,000 car is already not particularly affordable, even with the financing for most people, is it? Yeah. So I'm just like, I'd rather, if I was a Tesla bag holder, you know, I need the CEO on ship here, you know, and mm. trying to guide us through here a little bit and, you know, what's going to bring in earnings next year, you know, um, I'd be a bit worried. And yeah. the, sh- the shorts are coming out like nothing now. Like they're saying, oh, you know, 400 bucks, you know, I'm, I'm back in, you know, I'm shorting it at 400, you know. But at 800, you know, they were getting blown out of the water. So, I don't know, it yeah. seems like it's going to be an interesting year next door, next year for them. So, what do you think? Yeah, well, I, don't, I don't think Musk is going to stay at Twitter that long. I think he'll appoint a CEO eventually, you know, and um, if he can find someone that'll, that'll uh, sort of see things his way, be more even-handed, not so censorious, um, you know. I mean, I, I did see some headline this morning about the trust and safety uh head honcho at Twitter who was fired is is now sort of having a go at Musk, which is funny because um it from what we've learnt in recent days, um a lot of paedophilia stuff was allowed on Twitter or, or just was not censored. Um but you know if if you misgendered a trans person who just changed their mind five minutes ago, you would get banned off you banned off Twitter for that. So it's a matter of priorities there, I think, you know, and hmm. Uh, just, just, just weird stuff. But yeah, you know, I, I think Musk will probably appoint a CEO sometime early next year, and yeah, he won't have to divide his time so much. Um, yeah, but they're saddled with a whole of your debt at Twitter as well. Like, it's not going to be an easy job for the CEO. Imagine that. Like, yeah, no, trying to get revenue from you know, hopefully advertising still going to be there, but you know, everyone's going to be not advertising as much, <laughs> and then you know. You got all this debt that you got to service as well with increase, increasing rates. Um, yeah. Boy, that's going to be a hell of a CEO to take on this. <laughs> well, good yeah. luck to him. Well, um, yeah. I, I did hear something about a revenue sharing model, like similar similar to YouTube, that you know people who got a lot of following, mm. got a lot of tweets and views and likes and all that sort of stuff. That, that they'd bring in something. That was an idea. I don't know if that would work. Don't know how it would work, but you know maybe. <clears throat> who knows um yeah well, i guess we'll see but yeah i don't think he's gonna stay there too long to be honest it is it is a distraction i think tesla shareholders should be rightly worried but i mean look <laughs> okay he's been running tesla for whatever it is now 10 or 12 years um what what else has he had been going on in the background spacex the boring company hyperloop i mean the guy is a walking distraction uh, <laughs> that's what he does <laughs> yeah, but a low interest rate environment, you can get away with a certain amount of crap. You know, your capital yeah. allocation doesn't have to be top notch, you know, because there's money coming in everywhere. 
Yep. But as soon as um, interest rates go up a bit, you know, people go, oh, what could I, I'd rather just put in a T-bill here, you know, and get a few, like, well, would you take this extra risk? Um, I don't know. I'd be a bit worried, that's oh. all. So, oh, I don't hold Tesla, if anybody's like thinking that it's, I'm thinking for myself here, no, but, you know, I'm, I just know a lot of people who do, you know, they're born into this hype and it could look ugly, that's all. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's been one of the most overvalued stocks for a long time and, you know, it's just sort of come back down probably to where it should be or even not not even, it's not even there yet. You know? no. So, yeah. <clears throat> anyway, let's move on to the uh, very invigorating uh, macro discussion here that we always have. Um, we've got some wonderful new data out, uh, particularly in Australia. So... CPI came in at a lower than expected 6.9% headline, mm. lower than expected um, trimmed mean. For those of you overseas, that's called that's basically our core, if you like, CPI. Uh, now, of course, this was this actually the strain market didn't really react to this very much. It was a pretty sort of ho hum yeah. day. Um, because remember, we were told, I think the RBA told us that we were going to get an eight handle on our inflation at some point. Um, mm. And that's, I think what I wanted to highlight with the next couple of charts was that that can still happen. Uh, Phil Lowe was warning, um, given that we've opened the immigration floodgates, we, we've already got an extremely tight rental market. So that's obviously mm. going to just make it worse, uh, particularly in capital cities. Um, so this this bit up here is from Macro Business, and they said, so the ABS recorded 2.8% rental growth in the year to September, um, which is not that high. Um, and that's because the ABS measures rents across the market, whereas all the people like CoreLogic, you know, they have a look at newly signed rents uh, okay. in the area. And so the RBA, like the rental component, the owner's equivalent rent component of inflation in the US is lagging and that has to has some catch up to do. So, um, I mean, core logic is saying rental growth's up 10% in the year to October, right? Wow. Yeah, the, the RBA, uh, the ABS <laughs> is saying 2.8 to the end of September. So, and if you, I mean, if you've been aware, if you've been looking at rents in where you live, I mean, I can't imagine that you haven't noticed. Um, oh. I think the Gold Coast is one of the biggest increases in the country. Brisbane is, has risen more than any other capital city, I think. Um, well, you see Byron yeah, Bay, the people in, you know, there's a lot of poor people in Byron Bay. Like, it's not a totally affluent area. And then you've got, uh, you know, yeah. so you've got this <laughs> huge dichotomy of people and the poor end of town is just getting annihilated. Like, absolutely yep. disgusting what's happening down there. Mm -hmm. And then the council, obviously, is adding fuel to the fire on there, not yep. allowing anything to be developed. So, you yep. got a lot of people young families living in cars and you know oh it's disgraceful but yeah so you look at that there i mean core logic says brisbane's up 13 and a half percent in rents regional queensland is the only regional in any of the states that's double digits it's up 12 percent. so um queensland's copying and the other thing um is so this is macro business again and this is taken from westpac um that if if there hadn't been rebates offered in some of the states for electricity bills, 
electricity prices would have risen by 15% in Q3 rather than the 3.6% recorded. So again, you know, inflation for, it depends what state you're in, because I don't think New South Wales and Victoria had rebates last quarter. Um, I mean, your, your inflation rate could be 10 plus percent. If you, if you, if you moved recently to another rental, if you, you know, and, and the rising cost of electricity, I mean, your, your, your inflation may have been 15% from a year ago, you know, could have been as yep. high as that. Um, so it's, it's the, I guess to come back to the original point, which was that the, that inflation rate of 6.9% is probably somewhat understated. And those, the pressures on rents and electricity prices aren't going away next year at all. If anything, probably getting worse. So, the the idea that we've you know that inflation is just gonna ah, it's just gonna run off next year and we're gonna get back to a nice two or three percent I think is a little bit far fetched. What do you reckon, Tim? Well, the thing that disgusts me is like a lot of this stuff you can't escape: food, housing. Mm. <laughs> like you can't you know not eat you know and um, yeah your clothing you can slow down that a little bit and your transport and you can just not go out as much. But the essentials of the, you know, electricity, you know, like yeah. you can't just not have the lights on. Crikey, you know, like, I don't know. It just doesn't seem something that you can just avoid and then, you know, decrease your bills a little bit here. So Yeah, and especially hits the poor because the poor spend the vast majority of their food, the uh, vast majority of their money on food, shelter, yeah. electricity. That's, that's, you know, it's most of it for them, the people that live week for week. It's pretty much all of it. Um, yeah. fixed income uh, people like people on pensions and stuff like yeah. you know if they're getting hit by a 10 handle here and you know <laughs> you know cpi is catching up with that you know like and most of their you know pension goes towards food and electricity and fuel and things like that yeah very nasty so mm. yeah. so i don't think the, the the end of inflation is um maybe overstated um as I said, maybe the maybe the market didn't did see through that because it didn't really react um, that much. But in the US, just last night, the market did react uh, pretty excitedly. It was up over seven hundred. The Dow was up over seven hundred points. I think the S and P was up a hundred or so, um, and that's because Powell signalled. Um, smaller interest rate heights ahead, which actually we've said on, I've said on this um, podcast for months, I think the next rate rise will be 50, not 75. And maybe they finish up at 4.75, not, you know, maybe they don't even get to five. So I think Powell is now having um, sort of a split personality problem where he has to, where Mm -hmm. he has, like he's admitting, you know, we have to slow the, the rate of increases um, that that time is coming, but he also needs to keep the talk, the tough talk going, you know, and of course the markets aren't that stupid. They'll see through that. Um, But again, it's, it's, yeah, so they'll slow the increases, but the question is really how quickly does it come down the other side? Are we going to start cutting? And he's, um, he's not, He's sort of making it clear that that's not on the agenda yes. yet, cutting rates. But yeah, so that's old JJ. <sighs> he, so he he's probably not the second coming of Volker, as a lot of people predicted. Um, he's he's going to fold up the tent sometime soon. So I think they 
got a meeting next month. Well, it's this month, sorry, because it is the 1st of December. <laughs> and then I don't think they have one in January. So right. maybe if he goes 50 in, in this month, and he's got a couple of months to sit on his hands and see what happens. See if he can get a six handle on inflation. Oh, I've got one to throw at you. What happens yep. if inflation comes a little bit hotter with the FMA, you know, the meeting beforehand? The market isn't expecting, everyone expects 50 here. Inflation yep. comes in a little bit hotter, everyone will panic. And it will, the VIX will, like it's in the low 20s at the moment, it'll mm. jump above 30 because everyone will go, well, is Powell going to do a 75 again? Like, is he going to have to, that, that's it. Like, that's probably a, a 1% chance, but uh, <laughs> like, you know, there's certain things here that nothing's, you know, he hasn't got a crystal ball here. He only gets it, the data one day beforehand, before everyone else. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just warn people against cause how our brains work is we think these things go in a linear fashion. You know, there is, there's no guarantee that you don't get a, you know, just a spike up for a couple of months. Um, yep. It doesn't have to just all come down in a nice linear fashion. Um, so, you know, that stuff can happen and markets will overreact to that stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's worth thinking about. It's worth, yeah, yeah I oh, mean, present which, opportunities. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, I'm hopeful that's something like that, you know, because <laughs> I want to buy. But, yeah. you know, no one's pricing that in. You know, everyone, you know, the narrative is taking control here pretty heavy. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... That will lead us on to. I thought this was interesting because this this chart was interesting because, as we know, and we've been we've been saying this that the the slowdown to the extent that there is is any um, is not being driven by the consumer because the consumer had, especially this is the U.S. consumer, they had all kinds of stimulus thrown at them, and they had record levels of savings that. This chart suggesting that that excess of real disposable income is now gone. Mm. It's now it's now back to trend. So that doesn't mean that consumers in trouble. They're just back to where they would have been without this massive stimulus um, excess. So the excess is now zero. So what you would expect to see is um, in the coming months into next year is probably more of a heavy reliance on credit cards and other things, which is already starting to show up in the data as well. Um, so that's uh, one more shoe to watch. To well, maybe drop. The, the Black Friday sales have been pretty strong and everyone's yep. got, well, no one's got the money. So obviously that's credit card. And then you're thinking, mm. you know, that comes due, you know, March, you know, next year, you know, so mm, that compounds and that makes it harder for a market to rally, you know, a retail rally. So, yeah. um, I don't know, was, earnings. Mm. It, there was a story out um, in Australia saying that the retail industry expects a really strong Christmas. Um, a lot of the retailers are as well, but I think we're going to have the same problem. The hangover is going to be pretty bad for mm -hmm. that one. As we said, the cost of rents and, and, um, electricity and things that's not going away early next year um so we shall see um and the, this this last one again been harping on this for a long time so this chart shows <clears throat> the drawdowns to be consistent with the recession basically mm. 
um, earnings have to come down. You know, if, if if there's a recession coming, then you know you would expect uh, operating earnings, the trailing twelve months operating earnings to come down, and that's just you can see the small line right at the end of the chart there. It just hasn't very much yet, so mm-hmm. um, that just lends credence to the case that uh, I think, as we said last week, Morgan Stanley is. 20% below the market. I think they're at $195 for S&P earnings and the market is currently at 230, 225, 230. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that, that just hasn't kicked in yet. It Again, though, um, I guess you and I are unapologetically hoping for a downdraft ne- early next year or something mm-hmm. um, to set up a better opportunity set. Um, but even if earnings do get do come off significantly, um, there's no guarantee that the market necessarily has to sell off because it may look out to the future yes. and say, "Oh, well, inflation's coming down, so one offsets the other." Um, that's always a tough call. But if the Fed stays the course, you know, they just stay steady. You know, even if they don't hike or yeah. drop, you know, they just keep it at the five or four and a half, mm. whatever you want to sit at, you know, and then people start thinking, "Well, you know." You, start discounting earnings on top of that. Yeah. Like, wow. That's when you might get an opportunity, but yeah, it hasn't happened yet. So, but it's just weird how the bond markets price it in, you know, that there's going to be a recession and you still yeah. look at earnings and you're like, Oh, it's not happening. So who's right yeah. here? You know, is the bond market right or the, you know, the equity market right here? Well, here's what we know about earnings at turning points is that the analysts are always late they're always late. And that, that goes both ways. So they're always late to upgrade when you're coming out and you're, they're always late to downgrade when you're going in. So uh, my, my money would be on the, the bond market is more correct than the, than okay. the, um, the analysts. That, that's my view. I mean, I think someone put out the other day that it, that um, the S&P is trading on about 21 times trailing 12-month earnings, right? <laughs> Okay. Um, that's not cheap by any in anyone's language, and especially in an interest rate environment where it's yeah. going to be four and a half plus for the next, yeah, you know, six months. Easy. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. I haven't setup. heard anyone saying four. You know, everyone's saying you know, it's going to get to a five somewhere along next year. But I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Yep. But. Um, the market will try to anticipate, and I'm hoping they anticipate wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Currently, yeah. Um, all right, this is a chart that you put in. Uh, what are we looking at here, Tim? Yeah, like everyone compares us to the 1970s, but you know, there's a more recent one where we had this huge hike. Um, as you can see, when the Fed hiked in the 90s here, very yeah. aggressively as well. Like you can see here, like it very quickly went up to you know over six so it's yep. very similar to what we got now and you can see in canada they did a similar type thing and things didn't really change until you know it started to get to that six that six number so but then you can see then it we've got a couple of quarters where it really you know started to to hurt and mm-hmm. and canada i've got here is a equivalent to australia you know a commodity type economy and you can see yep. how much they hurt, not they really, you know, once the global economy started to 
slow down. So I think, you know, he's pretty safe at the moment. When you look at this, if you start to correlate these two, you know, like we're at the four, you know, 3.75 to four. So, you know, still went up in a couple of big notches there. Um, so I think, you know, I'm not so surprised that next year, you know, things might, if, and you can see where they just went sideways there for a bit and the market didn't like it. Like it just really, really collapsed them there. You know, you can see people just lost patience there. Yeah. Well, fortunately what, what happens after that graph ends there is very interesting because of course you have LTCM in 97, uh, long-term capital management meltdown. Oh, and then no. this is when Greenspan starts really putting his thumb on the scale and, um, you know, they, they start getting uh, used to the fed put, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. uh, that's that helped drive the dot-com boom, which you know, really only took off in what, 97, 98, 99 got absolutely stupid. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but, um, you know, my view still is that, um, if there's a little bit of pain, they will, you know, they'll revert to type. Uh, I don't have any faith in in uh, Powell as the new Paul Volcker, uh, and Phil Lowe is definitely not a Paul Paul Volcker. So, yeah, so you're definitely yeah. in the Bond crowd here. You know, when you look how inverted it is, it's still crazily inverted. You know, like mm. the ten year two to ten is just insane. Like, but you don't hear anyone talking about it anymore. It's just that's just common. Mm. You know, every day, you know, everyone's used to it now. But I remember yeah. a year or two ago, everyone was complaining about it. You know, oh, this leads to re recession. But I look at it all the time thinking, it's just sitting there looking at us, you know. Uh, yep. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Um, all right. We are going to finish off with Moon. Now, what does Moon do, Tim? Well... I don't know if you've got any Christmas cards this year or birthday cards. Um, so what this company does is they basically you're online. So you can upload photos or whatever, and they pr print on demand, basically. And they do digital cards as well. So very actually, I think I think I've used these oh, really? once to send a digital card. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, some years ago. Yeah. Did it cost? A couple of bucks, or I think it was free. I thought it was free. free. I thought I sent a free one. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so sure. they must have promotions and whatever, but yeah. Um, but you can imagine a model where you know it's print on demand, so you're not actually holding the stock, and yep. you're printing as used. Um, and you can imagine all the APIs in the background. So programmers, like if you've got someone on your database that's you know you sold over a thousand dollars worth of stock to them a year. You could punch them through something like this, do a customized card to them, and it automatically gets sent to them. Um, really easy to use. And as you can see, this is one of these IPO things that's imploded 60%, as you can see here from the price to free cash flow. You know, things are falling off the cliff here. Um, well, look at the PE, it's gone from 71 to 17. So. Yeah. Yeah. So in, intense. Um, value but you look at here at these um return on invested capitals you know like you're still you know that's a yeah. quality quality company you know that it's not doesn't really need to invest much um and you can yeah. they can add more designs and things like that that's not going to cost them any more and they just pay a designer a per fee um for a card um yeah. so and then they've got all this data as well 
So next, if you sent a card to somebody next year, they go, Hey, you know, last year you sent a birthday card to Joe blogs. Um, would you like to send them another card? And would you like to add a gift to that? You know? Um, so it's got a bit of a, a value add type component to it as well. Um, I'm just not sure right. people will take on this type of, um, not the newer generation, mm. like it's just, you know, card giving going to continue. Do you know the breakdown between um, what proportion are digital and what proportion are actual physical cards? I don't know, but I think. But the good thing about the digital ones is, well, you can personalize them. But, right. but do the younger generation actually give a crap about all this, you know, cards and, you know, all this sort of stuff? I, I don't know, have you got many Christmas yeah. cards this year or have you, you know, has that thing slowed down or? Your parents, have yeah, they I mean, got them or do they do that or still? Or? Well, they haven't got any yet. I think maybe it's still a little bit early for that. They they probably start getting them this month, right? Yep. Um, yep. I see. I don't think like I'm 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 a Gen Xer, and I don't think we really do that no. yeah. anymore, do we? I mean, I, I yeah, I think that's something that. Probably, you know, it's an older generation thing. That's why I sort of, mm-hmm. uh, I would suspect that people would send digital cards to one another because it's so it's just so much easier. There's no postage involved. There's no envelopes or any of that sort of shit. Yep. Um, yep. You don't have to go to a post office. Um, yeah. ESG friendly. Are you looking for any? Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like low cost, <laughs> you know, Um yeah, like, or do people just say happy birthday on your Facebook profile? You know, that just seems to be, I just don't know. I just can't see, I can't look through five years. Even though numbers look brilliant, um, yeah. I'm just worried that it's more of a, a boomer generation type What um, sort of benefit. So what, I mean, the, the barriers to entry to this wouldn't appear to be particularly high either, would it? I mean, what's, what's to stop a competitor coming in offering the same... Well, there has got the problem is is there is a little bit of barriers entry. Like, it's their database is the cool thing. Right. So when you send a card to somebody, especially a digital one, it's got from Moonpig. You know, Moonpig has yeah. sent you a card and say, "Oh, that's yeah. a pretty good idea. I might do that myself." You know, and sending physical cards or whatever. Um, yeah, I just don't know. You know, I'm just not sure. You know, as you can see from 2000, it's been running, so um, yeah. it's around for a long time and. Yeah, just a couple of people looking at it. I just, you know, you're just looking at these return on invested capital <laughs> numbers. <laughs> yeah. Crikey. Like, if it continues on for another 10 years, this will be, you know, a gold mine. But, mm. but the barriers to entry yeah. are fairly low. Like, and I've been yeah. burnt on this before. Redbubble and, you know, all these print your own shirts and Amazon yeah. do it. And, um, yeah. So the barrier to entry actually isn't super high. But if you've got somebody already doing it in this market, you'd have to, you know, you'd have to compete against that database and undercut them. Um, yeah. yeah, well, so, so here's something, um, I don't know if this is relevant, but when I started my business three years ago, I got some T-shirts printed up and I went through one of those online stores and, you you know, you send them your logo and, and you choose the shirt you want and they stick okay. You know, here I want the logo here, and that's about it. You can get all kind of features, but so I did that, and it cost I don't know fifty bucks a shirt or something like that. You know, it's it's a decent shirt, collared shirt. Um, 
I went, I went to get some hats done. Um, and they were just, they just seemed a bit ridiculous, you know, like 30 bucks a hat. And I just thought, oh, that's a bit, I went to a local uh, on the Gold Coast, a local sort of, um, business that does workwear, you know, high vis stuff, yep. boots, the whole nine yards. And they did it for me for about, I think it was about $9 a cap, you know, the same thing. And so this, the whole idea that, you know, the online store has far less overheads because they don't have physical stores and they can just, it, the, the pricing was hmm. uh, night and day. So the local store, the physical store actually did it a lot cheaper. Um, they couldn't match the price, the online store. So yeah, maybe the maybe the returns to that's just gone away. I don't know. Maybe I mean more broadly. I, I know this might not sound relevant, but what about the returns to streaming? You know, that's all become compressed now, right? Yes. Remember the promise? I was thinking about this the other day. There used to be a video store. It closed down about four years ago in the little strip mall near my place. Now you used to be able to rent a new release CD, DVD, sorry, for three dollars. Wow. Now if you want to a new release on oh, any of these streams. Yeah. It's like 15 bucks or something, you know, so know. Like, but I guess that's just the price people are willing to pay to not have to go anywhere. Um, yeah. But again, the, yeah, the, the returns are compressed and maybe, yeah, all that, maybe there's not much left in the, um, in some of these businesses. Well, all these streaming places are competing very heavily against each other now, you know, like Disney yeah. and you know, para, Paramount and, you know, all these other, you know, see AM, AMC, they're going to the wall now because, you know, they're trying to do all this streaming and, you know, it's just not free to set up all this stuff. You know, you need servers and you need infrastructure and then you need subscribers and no churn and economies. Yeah, look how much Disney uh, Disney yeah. spent on, <laughs> uh, on content. Yeah. yeah. So, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, And, you know, you can go buy a card from a cheap store, you know, a dollar store for a dollar. Like, yeah. and then you go, no, oh, I'm going to buy a card here for, you know, five bucks. You know, I know you can post it to them, blah, blah, blah. And you don't have to get off your chair, but mm. uh, I just don't know how much value is going to be here long-term, but you're seeing all these things pop up now, you know, the collapse of the SPAC type, you know, yeah. IPO type world. Um, and you're thinking, oh, you know, like there's a couple of Zoom, you know, as well. Like, you know, that's all, the numbers look great on that as well. So, Yeah. Just keep my eye open. Yep. All right. Well, we might uh, leave it there with Moonpig um, for this week. Thanks, everyone, for joining us, and we will catch you next time.